Episode 142 of the PJ Archive is a phone interview I did with the much-loved and now much-missed English actor Leslie Phillips, who died in 2022 at the age of 98. Leslie is perhaps best remembered from the Carry On films, the Doctor in the House films and the Harry Potter films. He starred in the long-running BBC radio comedy series The Navy Lark, and his long list of TV credits include Foreign Affairs, Casanova and Chancer, the video and DVD release of which he was happily promoting with this interview in 2002. It was something I was very fond of and should have been a long runner, you know. Why were you so fond of it? Well, it was good and um, I, I had a, a very interesting role. It was a good cast and... It was well-directed, and it had something to say. And uh, it was also quite amusing, too, and uh, daring, I thought. It had a lot going for it. And then the management wanted very much to, to go on. Uh, Central, it was Central Television in those days before they were taken over by Carlton. And um, they wanted to get more. And then there, there was something was going on, which I didn't totally understand. And as a result of that, it, it couldn't be put together again at that moment. How does Chancer rank among your long list of credits? Well, very high. I mean, especially in television. Very high indeed. I, I, I love the part. And it got me a lot of wonderful notices and, yeah. and, and very um, good audience reaction. Do you know? It's just been released on video and DVD. How, how much of your own work do you keep and watch? I would certainly like to, to see those again. I mean, I don't, I don't really keep anything, to be honest. The only time I really want something <clears throat> is if somebody's after me for a certain kind of role, which they don't think I can do. <laughs> and, uh, and I now can prove them wrong, you know. But because um, there was a time when I suppose a lot of people thought I was a one-part actor, do you know? Yeah. And um, I've sort of turned that on its head, really. Yeah. Clive Owen from Chancer is tipped to become the next James Bond. How do I know. Well, if he becomes James Bond, I'd better be Q, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think he'd be quite good, actually. Mm. Why? Well, he's got a lot of the qualities, and, and the, he's got an unusual attraction. He's not your straightforward, natural leading man. Mm. He's got something different. And I think that um, that's probably what they need, something different. A different sort of idea of James Bond. But, I mean, they'll never equal Sean Connery. I don't think they've ever equaled him, even. Mm. Got near to him. Have you ever been interested in or even offered the role of 007? No. No, I'm not a 007. No, no. I'm not. Why not? I, well, I just don't think I've ever been. Uh, I mean, I'm now far too old for it, but, but um, I don't think I've ever been a... I might have done if I'd got at it a bit when I was younger, but I didn't think that way at all. Mm. Sean Connery, of course, is Scottish and Pierce Brosnan's Irish. Do you feel 007 should be played by an Englishman? Well, I think Pierce Brosnan is the nearest to Sean's success, mm. put it that way. I think he's the best they've had. 
I, I don't go for many of the others at all. You are widely considered the epitome of an English gent, although sometimes... I know, don't... yes, I know. How do you feel about that image? I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, I'm not, really, by birth. Um, I'm anything but, but I know I sound that. And um, I, I, I can do all sorts of things, really. Mm. I, I can surprise anybody. But um, people like that sound, mm. you know. And uh, we've also moved away from that sound. And so it's, it's more unusual now. Oh, very much so. Yeah. I mean, when I went on the stage when I was a kid and in my teens, you couldn't be an actor unless you had this sound. Yeah. You had to have a, 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 good, a good accent that um, wasn't phony. You know, my, even though I'm very English, I'm not phony. I haven't got a phony upper-class accent. Do you know, it's, um, it's very recognisable. And, and everybody compliments me on the fact they hear everything I say. Yeah, quite right. And, uh, and I mean, I mean, remember I did The Changeling on television with a, a classic production. Mm -hmm. And um, I got the best notices, and it was full of marvellous actors. Because I, I was the one they could hear much clearly. <laughs> and everybody says I'm very good at Shakespeare, you see, because I, I do get the words over. But, you see, now there's so much, there's so many accents on television. I mean, you can hardly ever hear mine at all. People often associate you with sort of catchphrases like, well, hello. And yeah, I know. People ask me to do that all the time. Do they? Oh, all the time. Do you do them? Not, I'm trying not to. <laughs> it's very difficult. They get very angry with me if I don't do it. How many of those phrases have you actually uttered on screen or whatever? Well, I think that came from the bird-chasing era. Right. Because it, was, it wasn't just saying hello. It was saying, hello, what about it, really? But I had a load of them in those days. It was, I mean, you gorgeous beast was another one, wasn't it? <laughs> and... Uh, uh, you know, there were, there were loads of them. I mean, I got one on everything I did, really. Uh, the Navy Lark produced a lot. What uh, are the ones that people asked for? Well, left hand down a bit. Mm. Left hand down a bit. That, people started to use that all over the place. Even royalty used that. Right. I know that. Well, did they use it in your presence? No, but the Queen Mother told me she used it. Really? Yes. <laughs> and I did, the, I did the Queen Mother's memoriam service. When I was asked to do the readings from the Bible, that I was asked to do that for many months before she died. Right. And uh, I, I was quite surprised. And then the religious broadcasting service, which is run, is a very, very marvellous setup, where they have very good religious people, rang me up direct and said, would I do the readings from the Bible for when ever the Queen Mother died. Yeah. Pat Routledge and I did, they asked her to do it, and they asked me to do it. Mm -hmm. And we did them beautifully. I've got a recording of them there. And um, they were all absolutely, I, mean, I would never have been asked to do that. Apparently Queen Mother liked my work, and they liked uh, Pat Routledge. And I would never have been asked to do it if I hadn't had this kind of sound. What do people say to you when they see you in the street and they recognise you? Oh, they do use that, hello. <laughs> yeah. This is very I irritant. mean, come on things, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, I mean, even though I've 
I've certainly changed my career around uh, in what I do. And I've done some marvellous things, marvellous films, really. Absolutely, yeah. In the last sort of 20 years, 25 years. They don't forget these because these keep, they keep repeating them on television it's all hard, over the world, really. It's hard to believe you're originally a Cockney from Tottenham. Yeah, it is. It is very hard, but I am, and that's the end of it. And I, the reason I worked at it was because you couldn't be an actor then. You couldn't dream of being an actor. How's your rhyming slang? Oh, I can do all that. Can you? Oh, yes. Any favourites? Oh, no, I mean, I, I like it. I like the days when you, you got the bus conductor always had rhyming slang. You're a lifelong Spurs fan, aren't you? Yes, yes. Has, has that been hard work? It's been sad work in the last few years, but it looks a bit brighter at the moment, doesn't it? What's, what's the extent of your involvement with the club at the moment, then? Well, I used to go every week. I had a friend who had a box there, and um, they don't have it any longer but I, I stopped um, I stopped going because I really didn't always enjoy being in the box I, I think you're better to watch football in the crowd did you ever fancy being a director or even chairman no no I, I, I was very close to them though. I used to do a lot for them how do you feel about Glenn Hoddle being in charge now I, I think I hope he succeeds because I like Glenn and I met him years ago I knew all the footballers years ago, and I, I like Glenn. And he's got a—he's a lovely bloke. But he—he lost he, he his copybook, didn't he, mm. when he did England? Well, I don't know why he did, because he—he's not like that at all. Well, do you share his belief in faith healers then? Mm, no, I don't really. In in healing yourself, I, I would share whatever works for you, mm. really. I, I mean, I've got no particular thing for it or against it. What did you think of when he got the chop for... Uh... Well, I found it very hard. I, 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 what I thought was it, it must be terribly easy to get the chop. Mm. But what matters here is who succeeds, isn't mm. it? Mm. He wasn't succeeding either, was he? That's why they chopped him. Did you ever consider a career in sport or indeed anything apart from acting? Yes, I did. Twice I've thought about politics. I can turn my hand at anything, really. I was in the army, of course. I'm going to get on to that. Yeah. Tell me about politics. May we know what your political leaning is? I, I'm right down the middle. I'm not particularly left or right. I, I'm liable to go either way. So were you thinking of standing as an MP, then? No. I thought seriously of standing for Lord Mayor. The last election? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was approached by a number of people because I'm absolutely London through and through. I'm good at making speeches. I'm involved in business. And I've been in every side of the theatre, including the business side. I'm recognisable. And I'm an absolute Londoner. How you far know. did you take your bit? Well, I took it up to the point where it was had to become public. And also... At the same point, I re began to realise it was not the sort of job that I would really go for because of its political leanings. I didn't realise when I started getting interested that it was going to be so political. Uh, I was quite shocked, actually. And what do you think of the job that Ken Livingstone's been doing? 
I think Ken Livingston is a nice character, but I've I got a feeling it's all far too political for me. I don't think it should be political at all. And it's terribly political, isn't it? I'm sure you'd have gone further than Geoffrey Archer did anyway. Well, I never thought he was right for it. I no. mean, uh, n nothing to do with what's happened. Mm. I, I never thought of him being right for it. When you were a kid, did anyone ever tell you you'd be a star one day? The only person who did was I, when I was terribly young. My mother saw a gypsy. Um, huh? <laughs> came, she came to the house in Tottenham and she said I was with her. My, I was the only one with her because I was the youngest. And she said to my mother all the things really that have happened to me. Mm. She said, this one is going to do this, that and the other. She's the only one who ever said, she didn't say this about my brother or sister, mm. bless their hearts, but she said it about me. What, what sort of profession were your siblings in? Completely opposite, you mm. know. They followed my father's um, kind of direction, really, and they worked in factories and things. Mm. What became of your brother and sister? Well, my brother's still with us. He's older than me, of course, and unfortunately my sister died not terribly long after my mother died. Well, my mother was mugged where I was born, near where I was born, oh. in Chingford, and she died in the 80s. It was terrible. She was mugged by three children, God. and she died. And um, she was 92. Wow. She was 93 when she died, but she was 92 when she was mugged, and she was only, almost 93. And then my sister was absolutely shaken. We were all completely shaken. My yeah. sister was very close to my mother. She was marvellous. My sister was a sort of saint-like character. And um, she never got over it, really. And then it wasn't long before she died as well. God. Why do you think you made it in an industry where so many try but fail? I think um, I, I probably would have done well in anything I'd done. I mean, I always did well, really. I really do work for my living. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I work hard. Mm. Grafter. I'm a grafter, yeah. I've ne I never give up, really. I, I'm one of those, you know. How harrowing were your wartime experiences with the Durham Light Infantry, and to what extent have they stayed with you? I think, I, in a way, I had more harrowing, harrowing experiences as a teenager in London. I mean, obviously, I, I did my bit in the army, but I had a, a fairly tough time. But in London the age of 16 and 17, I was working right through the bombs and I lived with my mother alone through the bombing. And after I'd worked in the theater, I was in some marvelous things leading up to going to the army. During that time, I was also a fire watcher. I was in the home guard, but I was a fire watcher. I used to fire watch in, in the worst part of the bombing in London. And I was only 16. How difficult was it to return to something as comparatively light as acting after the gravity of war? It was very difficult. I didn't think I would, actually. You know, I changed a great deal. Because I was 18 when I joined. I was nearly 22 when I came out. And um, I was not terribly well. And I didn't, I didn't really think of going back to a theatre. I thought I would... I will say going back to a theatre because... It, we used to talk about the theatre. You talked about going on the stage. 
actors, hardly any of them go on the stage now. Mm. They just go on television. But we used to call it the theatrical profession. It was about the theatre, but it's not any longer. So I, I kind of thought I'd get another kind of job, do you know? I didn't know what, but... Mm. So when I was invalided out of the army, I went to an, the officers' association to try and get a job. Now, funnily enough, I was offered an extremely good job in, in Iraq. No, Iran, was it? In the, in the yeah. Gulf, anyway. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a bloody good job, but I'd failed the medical. What was the job? It was imp importing and exporting, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And it was a bloody good job. It would have meant I would have gone over there. And uh, <laughs> I failed the medical. Well, good thing, too. It's, as it happened, For yeah, all of us, sure. yeah. So I kind of wandered about and, um, and then started meeting people who were very pleased that I'd survived the war. And then Vivian Lee helped me a, mm. a great deal. What was she like? She was lovely. And... Um, she was very, very sweet to me, and I was in uh, a play with her when I joined the army. Yeah. And when I came out of the army, I went on to the set of Anna Karenina, and um, somebody there recognized me and said, you must go and see Vivian. I said, oh, no, she wouldn't remember me. And she said, of course, he, he was also in that play. It was Austin Trevor, a, a famous character actor. Mm -hmm. And so he said... Um, Oh, no, you must see it. Come on. And he took me over. She was lovely. I remember seeing a documentary saying that Winston Churchill had a big crush on Vivian Lee. I'm not surprised. Was she that beautiful? Yes, yeah, she, was, she was staggeringly beautiful. And, of course, when I first met her, she was, she was going around with Olivier. Olivier, yeah. And he was in the Fleet Air Arm, very dashing. He used to come into the Haymarket Theatre in his uniform. She was lovely to me. You've worked with many beautiful leading ladies. Which, one, oh, yeah. which ones have made you go weak at the knees? Lily Palmer. Oh, right. Rex she Harrison's was, wife, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. She, funnily enough, two of his wives I, I adored. Uh, and, of course, Kay Kendall. Right, yeah. Uh, I went to Hollywood really because of her. <clears throat> she, got, she asked for me, actually. I didn't know her, but she asked for me. And I already knew Rex, you see, because mm. I worked with Rex. And Lily Palmer. He was quite a character, wasn't oh, he? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. He was, he was a fantastic man, really. A great actor. I believe he was quite difficult as he got older, so I'm told. But mm. he, was, he was very nice to me. And um, I, I met him when Lily Palmer played opposite him. So I was in that play. I was with that play. How difficult was it to be settled in a real-life relationship when you were so often surrounded by beautiful women? No, I don't think so. At that stage, when you get that, those, sort of, those crushes, you know, I was always basically too young, really. May we know to what extent show business was to blame for the breakdown of your first marriage? I think probably a great deal. It is a very difficult thing. It's not just because of who you meet and who you might be unfaithful with and all that stuff. It's not that. The difficulty is trying to keep up an ordinary life, a mm. straightforward life, and lead the crazy life that you lead in the job. Mm. I mean, I was always traveling. I was always going somewhere, always away, you know. And I was, I was a very good father. I was a good father, still am. Mm. What, do you, what do you mean I was? I am. And I have a wonderful relationship 
with all my children. How much fun were the carry-on films to make, and why did you do only three? Well, I, you've got to remember, when the carry-on films started, the one that started them off was Nurse. There were a couple made earlier, but they weren't made in that genre, you know. They were made in, in different ways, but the first serious carry-on with that team was Nurse. And I'd already made a load of pictures. I'd even been to Hollywood. I, in fact, just before that, I was in Hollywood in Les Girls with Gene Kelly mm -hmm. and Kay Kendall and Mitzi Gaynor, directed by George Cuker. And so I'd, I could have stayed in Hollywood then. I would, I would have been a uh, Hollywood actor. I had every opportunity, but I wanted to come home because, again, I love London. I love England. I never wanted to live anywhere else except, you know, for holidays. So when I came back, I read this script. It was the funniest thing I'd ever read. <laughs> so I did it. <laughs> Carry on nurse. So they said, will you do another one? And I said, um, oh, I don't know. But what, what is it? And mm. it was... It was um, Constable, isn't it? It was Constable second mm. and teacher third. And then they came in, at me with the fourth. And I said, oh, no, I'm, I'm moving on now. Mm. <laughs> they said, you can't do this. But oh, none of the others had done this. So, I mean, I had no intention of of going on. They offered all sorts of, of uh, things like sharing in the profits and they all came to nothing anyway. In recent years it's been reported that many of the carry-on regulars led quite sad lives. To what extent did that surprise you? Yeah well Kenny and Williams and Charles Hawkey were like that mm. but I mean Kenny Connor wasn't. Kenny Connor was a smashing bloke. Lovely family, lovely children, terribly clever actor. He could have gone anywhere, Kenneth Connor. Mm. So it, it was just those two, really. You know, it's the same as today, there are people like that. But they were lovely to work with. And I didn't, I didn't sort of poke my nose into what they did off the stage. And yeah. Joni Sims, she was lovely. And so was Hattie. Yeah. You know, it was a marvellous crew. But the extraordinary thing, I've outlived them all. But I moved on, you see. It's often said that you inheriting the Doctor series of movies from, from Dirk Bogard was your big career break. What do you think? Well, I didn't, I didn't inherit it from Bogard. I inherited it more from Kenny Moore. Bogard was a, a much straighter sort of character than I was, although he wasn't straight as a person. <laughs> but um, my mate Michael Craig got his part, really. And then Mike went to Australia and has, has had a lovely life over there. But I followed Kenny Moore's part. Did either Kenneth Moore or Dirk Bogard co ever comment on your performances in the Doctor films? No, I got, I got to know and like Kenny Moore very much. I didn't see him much before he died, uh, mm. when he was ill. But he was, he was lovely to me. No, I mean, I, I never really knew Bogard. To what extent do you think it was the TV series Casanova which sort of sealed your image as a screen cad? It could have done. I mean, there again, that would have been a big hit. It was written by Gorton and Simpson, and um, they were terribly un unhappy that it failed. Mm. And it didn't fail, you see. It succeeded. It succeeded too much. And um, the BBC, it nearly knocked the BBC over. And uh, as a result of that, they didn't realise what they got. Mm. But it was the first time anybody had ever had sex 
in a, a comedy show. And they had to suddenly change the goalposts and they had it on at 10 o'clock at night or something and then took it right off. Now, within three years from that point, they all started doing it. But it was, it was the first one. Did you ever find that that image made the women you knew and met very wary of you? No, no, not at all. Quite the Nor the men. <laughs> no, I, I, I never had any trouble with, with either, really. In one book I read, it said that the film Maroc 7 mm. damaged your career. Do you agree with that? No, what? no, not at all. Well, why do they say that? Then? Well, it was the first part I got. I produced it as well as, as acted in it. And I gave myself a very n nasty character. And he was a pretty nasty <laughs> person. But no, I mean, I don't think it's damaged my career at all. No, well, no, absolutely not. I mean, on the other hand, they say Empire of the Sun was, was, was a major career boost for you. Do, well, do this you... was in that direction. And uh, because I was the producer, I didn't give myself a comedy part. I gave myself a serious part. And that's what I was inside. I knew I could do all those things, but I was getting tied up with comedies. I, I love comedies, but it wasn't until I did Chekhov in the 70s, 80s, I did Chekhov which is comedy and drama. And, and then I started to develop more serious plays, but also playing comedy, do you know? And um, this is what everybody wants now. In, in those days, the BBC had a drama department and a comedy department. You couldn't do both in the same thing. You either did a drama or you did a comedy. But now, everybody wants you to do a dramatic story that has comedy attached to it. They love to mix it, you know. It's the thing everybody wants. Tell me what it was like working with Steven Spielberg. Fantastic. He was somebody I'd love to work with again. I haven't done, sadly, and um, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Is he as much of a perfectionist as we imagine? Absolutely, and warm and friendly, and he knows everything about English actors, which mm. is rare for American directors. And um, he was a marvellous man to work for. You were in Out of Africa with Meryl Streep and Robert Redford. Yes. Well, that was, start that was after I was moving forward, you know. I'd done a, a rather dramatic play, which was also a comedy, written by Peter... Peter <laughs> Nichols, bloody marvellous writer. Uh, it was called Passion Play. I mean, the best play I've ever done, that right. Peter Nichols Passion Play at the yeah. Wyndham's Theatre. And the director of uh, Out of Africa came to see the play. And I met him, and he, uh, he gave me that part with Meryl Streep. And what was she like? I thought she was marvellous. And the only thing I did find out about her was that if you, if you say you have four people in a scene, you always do a close-up of the four people after you've shot the, the twosomes and the, and, and the four shots. They always then cover the whole four people. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then she never gave her performance. She was always last of the four. Right. Or three, or two. She was always last. And she never gave her full performance until she was, she was on her single shot. Now, that quite shook me, actually, because it was quite a stronger, different performance to when you did it with her as a twosome or a threesome. Do you know? And so... If I'd known what she was going to do, in the, what she did do, it would have affected what I did. 
Do you see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because you are affected. The listener and, and the speaker are affected by each other. That's what acting's all about. But if you don't get the performance until it's too late, do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's often been said about her, though, that she's one of the, the last of the real classic leading ladies of the big screen. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, she was, uh, she was from the theatre. She came from the theatre, like Dustin Hoffman. I mean, when you see actors that come from the theatre and make it in films, they, they're always great, greater. They, they somehow are greater, because if you come from the theatre, that's the best training of all. Tell us about Angelina Jolie from Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Uh, oh, she was enchanting. And her father, oh. uh, John Voight. Uh, yeah, I mean, she was lovely to work with. I mean, unfortunately, they cut a great lump of my stuff with her in, in the opening of the film, but it was in the DVD. They kept it all in, but they had to cut down the length of the, of the opening sequence. But it's all in DVD. But she was smashing. Um, lovely. And she had a, a, a husband who she adored, mm. and they've broken up since then, which is very sad. I thought they were madly in love. She's got an amazing pair of legs, hasn't she? Yeah, amazing pair of everything, really. <laughs> but, I mean, she gave me a nice, nice photograph. I didn't exactly ask her. You know, she gave it to me. Right. And, and um, I've still got it. It's a, um, with a nice, something nice written on it. And, um, I mean, she's, she was a gorgeous girl. Is it a portrait of her or something? Yeah, just her. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. nice. Where do you keep it? <laughs> I don't... I, I've just got it in my... In the drawer, you know. Right. I keep I keep everything. I'm a collector. Did you give her a picture in return? No. No. <laughs> no. I, I had a picture taken with her father. Oh, that's we, nice. we, we, That was used in the film, actually. Yeah. So she got that. But I thought he was rather super, actually. Very pleased about his daughter. I know that. He was, yeah. he was very thrilled about her success. As well as Tomb Raider, you've now made two Harry Potter movies. Yes. To what extent has this given you a sort of new cult status? Well, I suppose it all adds to it. I get a tremendous amount of letters from people from all over the world, you know. And the Harry Potter has increased my American letters. And it's extraordinary, isn't it? Because I didn't get all that much publicity because mm. it wasn't considered, because I don't appear... Mm. Well, at least I do appear, because I appear as a hat. Yeah. And, um, and you, I didn't just do a voiceover. People don't realise that, but it was done as a performance, and they turned the performance into the hat. How did you feel about being asked to play a hat? Well, I didn't mind what it was, really, <laughs> as long as I was in it, because there were two or three things that I could have done, but he decided to offer me that. And I thought the dialogue was terrific. They cut a lot, of course. Has they it... always cut a lot, you see. Mm. You never know what you're going to finish with. Do you find that kids are recognising your voice and so on? Oh, they do. They, yeah, everybody did. Everybody. I mean, I, I don't think the director realised that my voice was so, so well known. He, he was quite surprised. How much of a Harry Potter fan are you? Well, I thought it was quite good. I thought it was a bit overlong, the first one. But um, the second one I haven't seen, of course. I mean, yeah. I've only just done it. What's J.K. Rowling like? Have you met her? No, no, I didn't meet her. And what news of Richard Harris, who's reported to be very ill at the moment? Is he? Yeah. He's... Oh, I know him very well. Oh, he's, he's in hospital with cancer, apparently. 
Oh, God. Yeah, no, I thought he was on the Harry Potter films, wasn't he? Yes, I didn't yeah. see him on that. I met him way back when I made a film called The Fast Lady, which was a big hit, and he was doing Sporting Life. Oh, yes. On yeah. the same set. We, we used to meet at lunch, and he, he, he said to me, he said, you know, he said, your film is going to make a lot of money, and mine won't, he said. <laughs> he said, but it, it, they'll all say it's brilliant. And that's exactly what happened. God. I've never forgotten that. Richard Harris, though, has long been considered something of a wild party man. Is that yeah, like... He wasn't like that when I met him. He, I used to meet him at work, you know. But has that kind of lifestyle ever appealed to you? No, no. I'm not, I'm not much of a party man. I, you know, I, I, I love all the things I do, but I'm very active. But I, I'm not mad on parties. I'm not a drinker. I'm not a smoker. So I'm, I, I'm not into sort of going wild at knocking it back or anything. But I believe he did, and we always get that information, don't we? People who always seem to know if people do. But nobody's ever said that about me. What's the secret of the success of your present marriage? Well, I've looked after her very well. She's not been terribly well, actually. Mm. And um, I've, I've looked after her very well. In fact, quite surprising, because... If anything, she's younger than me, and if we thought I might be the one that needed to look after. Mm. But I've looked after her when she's been ill. It's, it's been very successful. When I met her, I've met her two or three times, actually. Right. But I, I worked with her in a film, and I worked with her on the stage as well. Right. What was it about her that captivated you? I think she, she had a great charisma. She mm. was a giggle. She was full of life and full of joy. May we know the names, ages and occupations of your children? Yeah, sure. My two girls are called Caroline and Claudia. They're both over 50. The eldest is Caroline. Mm -hmm. She lives in Spain with her husband and she's had quite a few children. She's animal mad, which I am. And uh, I, I speak to her a lot because I've got a house in Spain. Um, I'm going over, over there next week, actually. Mm -hmm. Just, um, I'm restoring all the buildings, all the old buildings uh, on the property, which is a big job. So. And uh, then my two sons are called Andrew and <laughs> Andrew and Roger. <laughs> right. Have, have any of them followed you into acting? No, no. My second daughter, Claudia, works in a school. She runs the, the office work in the school on the Wirral. And my eldest son is Andrew, who is a housemaster at Mill Hill. And he, that was the actual house that he went to school in. So he's quite special. And he's got, he's wonderful on languages, especially French. He's bilingual French. What about Roger? What's Roger that? is highly successful. He's a, he's a lawyer. Hmm. He, he, he's done, done it all. He's, done, he's been in practice and he's been in banking, and now he's in insurance. How often do you get together with your children and grandchildren? Um, more with my children than my grandchildren. Mm. Uh, I've got 16 grandchildren. Gosh. But I don't see them as much as my children, except when I see my children. You know, they often come with them. May we know roughly where you live and what your home is like? London, through and through, you know. I've got a very homely house, very um, comfortable lovely garden and um, 
Uh, I'm fond of plants, and my wife is marvellous at gardening. She loves to grow things. Do you think I, I do too, actually. Do you think you'll always live in that same place? Well, I'd be very surprised if I didn't. But sometimes I, I begin to think w whether I would go on living here if I got very much older, but I love it here. It's a very convenient place to live. It's, it's got a kind of village atmosphere. You mentioned uh, you've got a place in Spain. I understand you were involved in some awful plane disaster recently. No, I wasn't really. I ne a near plane disaster? I, yeah, I, it was about a year ago. And um, the, the plane looked as though it was going to go into the sea. And it, it, it pulled out somehow. And I really thought I was going. Because I'm not good in water. And I thought, well, I'd have no chance. I thought I was a goner. But... You know, I wasn't, and um, but I w it was very strange, a strange experience. But when I got off the plane, some friends of mine were waiting in Ibiza because they had f friends on the plane, and so they came off, and I came off, and we sort of got to know each other, and we both went through the experience. So, I mean, it wasn't an imaginary one, but it was a frightening one. Have you flown since? Oh yes. How do you feel about it now? Well, I think of it. I'm going out there next week. I, I, I had a very strange thing about it because I was in the plane and this woman and her husband were absolutely terrified. And they had this, they had this lovely little child who, had, who didn't even realize what was going on. And I was so concerned with them, I didn't really worry about myself. Yeah. I, it, it had a calming influence on me. It was very odd. How much memorabilia of your career do you have? Masses of it. I'm a collector, and uh, I, I've got mass. I've got to use it all when I eventually write my book. I'm, I'm supposed to be writing it, but I've, I've let down the publisher a bit with dates, and because I, I seem to be too busy. Is this your first autobiography? Yes, I've, I've got to deal with Macmillan. Will it be a kiss and tell like Ulrika's? I don't know. Oh, no. I've, she's great fun, Ulrika. I've, I've worked with her three times. You know, she's terribly attractive and very sexy. Do you sympathise with her over Sven? I, I haven't read it, actually. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's a smashing-looking bird. She's got kids. She's had a tough time there. I think she was just looking after herself, really. No, I mean, I just liked her. I liked her very much indeed. She said to me, come and have lunch one day, and I never did. Um, but she, she, I don't know, maybe I made a mistake, I don't know. <laughs> Could have been your big chance. Could have been my big chance, yes. Could have been my story coming up. <laughs> no, I didn't, uh, I never got any, anywhere like that, no. <laughs> but um, I also met Edwina Curry as well. Did you? I worked with her. And? I thought she was a, quite a come-on character. Really? Yeah, yes, I did. You got the come-on from Edwina. Well, I, I thought she was quite... quite um, saucy. Saucy, yeah, she was quite saucy. I was rather surprised, actually. In what way was she... Uh, well, she was very friendly and flirting. gregarious and mm. jokey and all that. I was very surprised. Yeah. I did a couple of things with her in Scotland. Can you understand why John Major fell for her? Well... I don't know. I, I, I mean, I was very surprised at that. I was very surprised. Right. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have been surprised at all with Ulrika and Sven. I thought that would be a natural 
get-together, I would have thought. She mm. seems to be well into footballers. But I was surprised about Major. And I, 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 I think it's very sad that mm. all that's come out. I, I think it's very sad, from probably from his point of view only. I don't think it's too sad for any of the other three, but I, I, you know, poor old John Major. Mm. He was about, he was much loved, you know. I met him a couple of times, and I thought he was rather nice. And you know, he got out of it and got on with his life. And and look at this. I mean, yeah. crumbs. Now we we've often seen you on TV wearing cravats. Do you wear them in real life? Not really. No, I've got loads of them. Have you? Yes, I've got massive. What, from roles you've played? Yes, I have, yes. Do you not wear them at all, then? No, I don't. I think they're a bit old-fashioned. No, I, I, don't, I don't go for that sort of thing. What do you do with all the ones you've got, then? You just keep... <laughs> they're in a drawer somewhere. What are they for, just to hang on to? Well, as I say, I do collect things, and mm. um, it's amazingly useful if you're going to play something and you can pull something out of the drawer that's dead right. Yeah. You know. And so I don't never throw anything away, right. much to the annoyance of, of my wife. And uh, I've, I've really got to start sorting it out. And do you wear a moustache these days? Yeah, I'm still the same, yeah. Do you prefer having one or not having one? Yeah, I remember the first reason, uh, reason I grew a moustache was because I, I was asked to wear a moustache for Cubby Broccoli oh, for a right. film. And I was doing a... A play at the time, and that, that need I played an RAF guy, an yeah. RAF ca- character, and so I grew a moustache for it. And then he saw this play, and I went under contract to Cubby Broccoli, actually, who, d- who makes the um, James Bond films. James Bond films. But he he was great, Cubby, and um, so when I went to see him, and I'd shaved off the moustache because I'd finished the play. And he, he said, oh, we want you to for this film. And um, I said, oh, yeah. He said, but where's your moustache? I said, I shaved it off. He said, oh, well, grow it again, he said, because we like that. <laughs> and uh, the reason I didn't stick one on is because I can't stand spirit gum. Uh, and that's the reason I, I had a moustache. I've kept it ever since. Who are your real friends among showbiz folk? Ah... Now, that's a quite a difficult question. I get on well with people, but I don't have a lot of showbiz friends. My friends are more architects, doctors, you know, people like that. Mm. But we're a bit ships that pass in the night, you know. Mm, yeah, and you, when you go into, into a show and you get on with people, you see a lot of them, but then you nearly always move on. And when you meet them again... It can sometimes be ten years goes by, and, and uh, yours pick up. To what extent do you feel you've been given the credit you deserve as an actor? Well, I got the OBE. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, really. I mean, you know, I've had a good career. I mean, I, I've, I've got um, a lot of recognition. So, I mean, what more can you get, really? Except a knighthood, I suppose. But, I, you know, I think I've... I've gone a long way, really. How about a knighthood for you? I don't know. I mean, I, I'd be thrilled to bits if I got one, but I'm, I'm, I would never anticipate anything like that. Mm. I'm not bitter that I haven't got one. I, I mean, I don't think that way, but I was very thrilled I got the OBE, so, I mean, I'm not grumbling, really. What about Sir Leslie of Tottenham or something? <laughs> yeah.
sounds good, doesn't it? It does, yeah. <laughs> and have you got any nice stories about meeting royalty over the years? Well, it's always been a great experience. Um, I particularly <clears> like <throat> meeting the Queen because, and I, I, as I say, I did get on well with, with her mother. And I got, I got on well with Charles as well because I was at the Royal Shakespeare Company and I'd done Shakespeare mm-hmm. and he's very into, into RSC. Oh, yeah. So I met him quite a few times. And what's he like? Very nice. Very, very bright. And very caring about the theatre and films. And I did a film with Tony Hopkins, and he, he came to see that. And I met him again there. The Queen, I remember, very well. But she's always so much more fun when she's on her own. If it's an occasion that isn't particularly a, a royal occasion... I mean, I'm a, I'm a uh, vice president of a big charity called the Royal Theatrical Fund, right. which she is the, she is the, the patron. It's a wonderful fund, and we do a lot for people connected with our own business. And she is the patron, and so occasionally I meet her, and she's always tremendously funny. She loves a bit of fun. But when you meet her with her husband... And on the royal occasions, it's always more severe, you mm. know. So she's got two sides of her, quite mm. distinct sides of her character. Uh, Charles is, I think, always very gregarious. He loves to be in the company of, of actors. Did you meet Diana? Yes, I did, yes. I met her on the first night of Out of Africa. Right. She came to the first night of Out, Out of Africa, and they hadn't long been together. I'd never met her before, and Charles was there too. I remember he came up to me. He said, I'm not used to seeing you in this kind of film. He said, <laughs> I said, well, I've made it, I said. And she came up, and she was very sweet and very demure and, and lovely. I mean, they're always smashing to us. They're always doing things for other people, which we are. I mean, we've got something in common, really. Why do you think Oscars have eluded you? Oh, well, I've never done anything quite strong enough for that, I don't think. Mm. I've just made a film called Three Guesses. Right. It hasn't got distribution yet, but I've got the most wonderful part in it, in a part that nobody's ever seen me play anything like this before, and I'm so unhappy it hasn't got out onto distribution. But Three Guesses, and if, if it does... I think it will do a lot of good for me, but I, I just, it's having, they're having trouble to get it going. Will you ever retire? I, I don't think so, no. No. Do I don't, it's not a word that we use, really. I don't, I don't really go, people have asked me that, but I, say, I usually say, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to follow Sir John Mills into a ripe old age? Well, I'd like to, yes. I mean, John's an incredible man. Yeah. And he's, he's not at all well. And Gilgood was even more incredible. I worked with him three times, uh, even recently, in a John Mortimer series. You know, the, yeah. um, the one he made in Italy. I did that with him. And I worked with him as, as a child in Dear Octopus with Murray Tempest. And he's very, very... Gilgood, I'm talking about. Yeah. He was a very caring man. And I, I was very sorry when he died. Are there any roles you ever turned down that became big hits for other people? No, no. When I've really wanted something, I've usually got it. 
But um, I think I've still got a lot to do. Unusual parts that make people sit up. Mm. But people are often quite surprised at what I do. I've just done Holby City. Actually. Yeah, so I gather, yeah. Yeah, I did that last week. How do you want people to remember you after you're gone? Well, if they remember you at all, I'd be very pleased. But uh, I don't think we're, we're, we stay in the memory too long, do you? I think the, the only thing is I have made a lot of films, well over a hundred. Mm. And, uh, you know, they're always coming out. And so I suppose they'll keep it, keep your image there for a while. I don't think as a whole people do remember actors for too long. You must be very proud of your career, though. Now, I'm glad I've done what I've done, yeah. I'm glad I've gone across the board, and um, I'm not just stuck in one image, although people love that image. Yeah, they do, yeah. But um, and it's been kept alive by television, really, and um, I don't grumble about it. But mm. I used to be slightly sort of thinking, oh, but now I've done all the other things, I'm rather glad about it, really. And it, it does... Um, it brings a lot of, of love from people. So I'm really, I'm quite, quite happy about it. Yeah, well, I've enjoyed your career and I've enjoyed talking to you. Oh, Thank you very much no. indeed. No, you were very nice. You were very nice to talk to you. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye.